Hello, East Glenville Community Church. This is Jessica Munn, and I have Pastor Mitch with you here, and we are going to talk about uh, the this past Sunday's uh, sermon from September 26th. Uh, so, Pastor Mitch, I have a question. All right. Uh, so this Sunday, you called it Vision Sunday, or this past Sunday, you called it Vision Sunday. You kind of gave us the vision as to where you are planning on shepherding our church, really. Mm-hmm. And the you talked about several different types of strategies. And so I wanted to just kind of walk through those a little bit, starting with the your first strategy, the lampstand strategy. Mm-hmm. And so just to kind of start to refresh ourselves, can you clarify, you talked about the lampstand strategy, and then you kind of split it into two different types of strat- sub-strategies, the seeker uh, sensitive or seeker attractive strategy, and then the seeker accessible uh, strategy. Sure. J- just to reiterate, the lampstand strategy is this idea that God Himself is the one that really sets up the church. He calls the church together, and and when Jesus gives the parable about you know no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a bushel, it's talking about God lights a lamp and he puts it in a place mm. where people will see it for his purposes. And so God's design is that congregations are visible and open so that that if God is leading someone to faith and salvation, he has a place to lead them towards. So that's the idea, that, that we're this lampstand that God sets up to be um, visible in the community. And so it's the public worship that's open for people to come. So that's the the general idea. Now, within that, churches go different routes. Mm -hmm. And and a few other people asked me about this. And it is a bit confusing because I talked about one type of church that doesn't fit us at East Glenville. And that is called a seeker sensitive or I, I... prefer just call it an attractional church is that they make Sunday morning their main focus is to attract people into the church to attract new people mm-hmm. and they aim what they do at non-believers so um, and because of that they they in a sense don't go as strong on some of the church, traditions and things because they're they're worried that people will um encounter that and just stay away Mm um i was trying to think but this is really on a spectrum of of where you do i was trying to think what the other side of that spectrum would be a church that um makes it really hard for visitors to come that sets high expectations to even show up on sunday mornings for example a church might say well you you need to bring your bible to worship and if you don't bring it don't bother coming mm-hmm. you know that would be like they're not trying to get someone who just would wander in the door um what i'm saying is is that in at east glenville what i'm looking towards is trying to be accessible i guess you could say it's in the middle um but really what i'm trying to do is make sure we we achieve the goal that if the lord is leading someone East Glenville will be a place that they can come and find, um, get connected to Jesus. And yet at the same time, I believe Sunday morning's purpose is to build up the people of the church, that we would um, worship and celebrate what he's done. 
and that we would sit under the authority of the word. And so I don't aim my messages necessarily at someone who who's outside the church or doesn't know Jesus yet. Mm-hmm. But I do want to speak in a way that if someone does come, they can at least hear it. Yep. Does that distinction, does that make sense? Help help me clarify that. Is there anything I'm missing on that? No, I think, I think that makes sense. Okay. So you're in the parachurch world. Yes. Um, with InterVarsity, do... Does your group have similar conversations and how do you reconcile it when you do? Yeah, so so usually the university chapter at Union College that I work with right now, we're pretty small. Uh-huh. Um, so we have had less of these conversations than I've had at the church I was or at the chapter I was at in college at Clarkson. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we would typically do is we would try to kind of choose different um avenues to do different things Mm -hmm. so like as you said like sunday morning for you here at east glenville uh the goal is to build up the body but also be accessible that is your direction so in my parachurch or in university uh we would kind of come up with a a strategy and aim certain events to do different things Uh so sometimes we would have what we our larger meetings we would call large group super um, fancy name and so like sometimes large group was aimed towards more towards the people who were pretty solid already christians because we would do things like musical worship that Mm. some people might find um odd and we would have usually it was somebody would do kind of a teaching and then we would have break into groups and do discussion questions or some interactive thing. Okay. Uh, but then we would also have weekly small groups. And so you could have a small group that's aimed, we would call it a, some of them we would call gigs, which is a group investigating God. That's okay. like specifically you would mostly invite non-Christians to this group and you would go through, I think we would usually go through Matthew. Okay. Uh, and so, so that's how we would break it up. There was a time when we did something called Friday Night Lives, where we would have, um, it would be pretty much open to the entire campus. We would really um, advertise it well and try to get as many people who mm. just, you know, might have an inkling or not even really be that interested, but are going to support a friend because yeah. that happens. And we would start with a lot of musical stuff, so, not musical, sorry, a lot of art type of thing. So okay. there would be skits and dramas and spoken word and things like that all surrounding a specific theme and how like the Bible relates to it. Um, so it could be things like depression or like stress or something mm. like that. And, um, and then it would close with some sort of teaching and a gospel presentation and okay. kind of an altar call. So we, how we did it there is we would like pick a different, a different avenue to have a different focus. Right. So you'd have different meetings yeah. that you would aim different ways. Yep. And so, I mean, truth be told, I, I was in the parachurch world. I worked for Young Life for 11 years plus really more than that doing it. And Young Life was very much an attractional. Th- our main meeting we called it Young Life Club. Yep. And I did ridiculous things <laughs> to try to attract non-kids who didn't weren't church kids to come. 50-foot Sundays. Uh, we played football on a, a field lit up by Christmas lights and glow in the dark football, like that very much. So yeah. that's in my nature to want to try those things. Right. And I still hope to bring them into the church a bit. Um, 
But what I re- and then later Young Life would have their smaller group things that were more discipleship. Right. And the idea is to work with the kids who are in discipleship to engage that. But what I found for churches, Sunday morning worship is different. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm not doing that strategy. Sunday morning worship is is to form the people of God. And that really, it's it's that second strategy that I talk about. It's, it's dependent upon people being formed into the image of Christ. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so the... I, I use the title Earth, Earthen Vessels. How did that strike you? Well, so um, I guess it's because I support the Navy in my day job. And uh-huh. so I at first was like thinking of ships because I was like vessels, like a vessel. Yes. And uh, so, yeah, I liked when you when you clarified with the jars of clay. I was like, ah, OK, now right. I see where you're going with this. Yeah, I think the the King James version was Earthen Vessels and it's. Jars of clay is the easier to understand NIV version. Yep. Um, but what do you remember? The question I want to ask you is, is like, what, yeah. what do you remember about that? And let's see if I need to clarify that as well. Yeah. So you had like kind of your three, your three main points as to what that strategy looks like. So is the proclaim Jesus as Lord, uh-huh. um, approach with a servant av- attitude, and then the light of the knowledge of God shines from within us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought that those three gave kind of a, a good picture of the, like, first and foremost, Jesus is our Lord. And that yeah. that's something that will not change. And then when we approach the world as servants, um, and, you know, I'm jumping a little bit, but your other strategy, talk less, smile more. Mm-hmm. Like, when, when we approach the world like that, it allows the light of the knowledge of God to shine from within us because we can actually build relationships. Okay. So so all that made sense to me. And and you kind of then further explained that with, you called it, I think, the little, the red dots strategy. And you yeah. had the picture with, if the red dots are all in a huddle, um, kind of in the corner, they touch less of the gray, which is the non-Christians. Yeah. And so if we spread out into, um, if we go out into the world, type of thing, Mm -hmm. then we can have more of an impact and touch more lives and interact with more people. Just, so I have another question for you. Out of your relationships, do you feel like you know more non-believers or more believers and just outside the church? Yeah. So I, I definitely know more believers. Okay. Um, Part of that is I think because a lot of my spare time is spent doing things like volunteering with InterVarsity okay. and uh, and stuff like that. And so a lot of my networks are just formed through those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's definitely some non-believers from college I still try to stay in touch with. Uh, there's uh, a lot of my coworkers are not mm-hmm. necessarily, um, which it's a little yeah. hard in the workplace itself to have those sorts of conversations. Right, um, yeah. But it definitely... Even when you can't talk about it, I'm still convinced yep. that you're, if Christ is living in you, it the light still shines. Mm-hmm. And now, ideally, those conversations start to clarify for people, Jesus is Lord, yeah. the part of it. And um, But I still think the red dot strategy is effective even just by us living for Jesus wherever he puts us. Right. And a lot of times yeah. too, because it's not for most people from what I've um, learned and experienced, right? It's, it's usually there are some, there's some sort of barrier that mm. is keeping them from 
like ex- um, expressing or admitting that Jesus is their Lord type yeah. of thing. And so a lot of times those barriers, some of them could be personal things, but a lot of times they're more social construct or um, what is the word I'm looking for? Um, when somebody assumes something about you. Stereotypes. Stereotypes, yeah. Yeah, and so even just living and making it obvious that, like, yes, I profess to be a Christian and also, like, I'm not a crazy maniac. Cause right. Because that's sometimes what people think. Like, you're just by being friends with them and having being a normal person, you're breaking down that yeah. stereotype. And that fits with another part. I don't know if I even got around to expressing it. I had so much I wanted to say <laughs> on Sunday. Is that... It it then it's individualized, mm-hmm. you know. On Sunday morning, the message is a general one, but when it's all the red dots spread out, is you you can know and see what people are, because it is it's, it's a different thing for every person as to yeah. what what they do, and that's why I I don't get to have as many conversations with non non church people as I would like, because of you know I I get that plenty with church people you know being in. But um, but when I do, I always just I just try to listen carefully. Like, what are they saying? Mm-hmm. What sometimes they're being very careful around me. They don't want to offend the <laughs> pastor. And I'm like, tell me what you really think. Yeah. I want to know. And I I don't want to tell them. I might your this conversation might get used in a sermon <laughs> illustration. But it but that for me is informative. So I guess one thing I even things like this or mm-hmm. with other people in the church, I would love to hear how you're your peers, your friends are thinking about faith and Jesus and the church. And when I hear that, then I can maybe incorporate that in some of the messages, but yeah, yeah. no, that's definitely good to keep in mind. Mm. Um, and kind of branching off that though, I wanted to, I have a question. Uh, so as you just said, like a lot of, a lot of good ministry happens one-on-one relationally. Uh, but, so you did mention later in your sermon, too, that, like, we're thinking of doing things like Starry Night, which is more of a big, larger outreach. Yes. And so where, like, how does that fit in to, I guess, these strategies? Like, uh-huh. why, if we're saying that it's a lot of it's done personally, one-on-one type of thing, um, then what, is some of, what are some of the benefits of doing the larger? So, so you tapped in to what I was struggling with when I was coming up with this message because I, what I shared with you between the lampstand and the jars of clay, yeah. that is my core idea. Mm-hmm. But as I was talking with people, I realized that misses things. Mm-hmm. And that there's things that we do and need to do that are, that are important and people would bring up. And I'm like, and so it, it was almost the revelation I had just in the last few days before the sermon was what I talked about, the football coach idea, that you have to have an offensive strategy, a defensive yeah. strategy, special team strategies. That And so even if we have that individual focus as our main strategy, we still have a, a corporate impact. Mm-hmm. And that, that's where the other two fit in. And so the, the um, third one, the talk less, smile more strategy, yep. Um, was the whole idea of how do people experience the church corporately mm. beyond just the individuals they encounter? How do they see it? And what my my admonition for us is 
that's where we hear the freely you have received, freely give. That we we want to convey we have been blessed by God and we wanted to share that blessings with people around us. Mm-hmm. And that that's, I hope, the face that people see of a corporate sense of um, um, East Glenville. Let me ask you, so I have a question. <laughs> what what title would have been better than Talk Less, Smile More? That's an abstract reference to Hamilton, if, if anyone, that, ah. that that's where that came from. Um, okay. But even in Hamilton, it's actually a negative thing. It's about how Burr hides his uh, hides his attitudes and doesn't really show what he's really about. So, but that's the best I could come up with. So, yeah. do, you, do you have a better title for that strategy that I can use next time I talk about this? Think about it. I put you on the well, spot there. No, yeah, it's because like the one thing that just coming to mind is like how like love people. Like how how do we show the community that our church loves them type of thing and yes. cares about them and like actually wants to know what they think yeah. about faith and wants to, you know, have good conversations that aren't like just trying to force people on, yeah. force our opinions on people type of thing. I, I, I agree. I think somehow the love strategy might miscommunicate I, as well. It does. Yeah. So which the other title like... I thought about is blessed to be a blessing strategy, mm-hmm. which conveys the idea, but the word bless kind of yeah. sounds so we'll keep working on it. Yep. Maybe one day <laughs> I'll, I'll redo this. And, um, okay. So on that, how do specifically young adults, whether it's college students or people closer to your age. And, mm-hmm. um, how do you think that they think about churches differently than people of the previous generation? Mm-hmm. Have you noticed a difference in how your generation views churches than you would say the older generations have? Yeah. So I... So part of my answer is definitely um, swayed by a lot of conversations that I've heard from from older folks trying to figure this out. Um, I know a lot of, they've had a lot of conversations about this on uh, a podcast I listened to called The Holy Post. Okay. Uh, but I think a lot of it has to do with just like how there's a lot less communal things that happen nowadays. Okay. And so, so like... My understanding is that it used to be that, like, people were a lot more involved in community clubs. Mm. And so, like, it was normal to be a member of something. Um, And so, like, it just, it made obvious sense. Like, oh, if I am a member of this church, then there are certain things that obviously I will do, whether it's money, time, things like that. And I think that's a lot less of a thing in my generation. Like, I don't know of a lot of people who are involved in like tons of community clubs um they might be like if they have a specific interest they might be involved in say like um i don't know they might be involved in like a firing range that's not the word i or the term i want but um a hunting club okay that's what i'm thinking of um if they're into those sorts of things for my right or uh you know, I have people who are members at, like, a gym or, like, they are members at rock climbing at the edge and stuff like that. Right. So, Only if they see if it meets their specific needs and fits yeah. them and their personality and what they like to do. Right. And being yeah. a member at a rock climbing club, like, 
there's technically a community because like if you go the same time you see certain right. types of people but it's not it's not like the same of like going to um a community and then being like okay let's let's run an event or something like that uh-huh. it's much more individualized how is the community of the church different than other communities yeah i think that because the church if you really want to be discipled you need to be involved mm. um and it's it's this you know it's this catch 22 of the like you can't you don't want to be too involved in the church let me change that you you need to find where you should be involved um because if you over involve yourself um there's either all your friends will be church friends and you won't ever interact with the outside world right or you'll get burnt out which Mm. has i think been a very common thing nowadays where you're hearing people say like you know i've I'm just burnt out and I like, and they pull back. Okay. Um, and so I think that finding, finding the spots and the events that are happening in the church where you find life out of, and also you can pour into, um, type of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, so I liked how in your sermon you said like, you know, the goal is not necessarily to just show up Sunday morning and receive stuff and get stuff. Um, but it should also be the, okay, like, I'm blessed to be a blessing. Mm. Who who can I pour into this week? What who, which person is struggling that I can follow up on? Who like uh, those sorts of things? How can I invest in the lives and the development and discipleship of those around me, knowing that if we're all doing that, then we will get invested in ourselves. Mm. So, and i mean the the other thing that I think most groups do outside the church is people tend to be very similar, yes, similar uh usually there's some similar interest that draws them mm-hmm. and in the church, what we have the same is Jesus. we've all decided that we want to follow him and and yet there could be quite a bit of variety, oh yeah, and it's the challenge of the church is that different personality types and people with different viewpoints on things are all part of the same fellowship united by the Holy Spirit. And if if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit uniting us, I don't think any church could stay together. (laughs) Probably not. Because we are, you know, from infants to the elderly, Mm -hmm. a part of the same thing. Yeah. And I think that definitely adds a dynamic to it too, because it, it takes more, it takes more of an effort to like it's not it's not like i think a lot of times other clubs too right you just go with your friend group um whereas the church like you you're not always gonna always see eye to eye with everyone here and i think like i remember the church i went to in college living in potsdam new york like you know there's two universities and then it's farmland okay and so you have people you have professors and then you have um, local farmers. Yeah. All, so, you know, all the whole spectrum of people and, uh, and just watching when you have that diversity and you see people interact and they, you could see they all like trust, acknowledge, you know, invest in each other's lives and stuff. It, it's definitely something that I've never seen anywhere else. Mm. Um, so on that, I want to ask you, I have a question. Yeah. Um, I, I talked about how how the the joyous community of the church is one of the most attractive things about it. That even if people aren't necessarily looking for Jesus, they are craving or they see that, that joyous community 
and want to be in. Does that ring true to you? And have you seen ways that that has played out? Yeah, I think it definitely has. And I think sometimes it's, I would even go a little bit beyond just saying joyous and saying like being real, Mm. right? Like, um, I used to tell people that like one of the things that pulled me to InterVarsity is I found a group of Christians or I found a group of people who were willing to accept me flaws and all. Okay. And so I think a lot of times in, you know, the outside world, everyone is still putting up a front. Um, mm. you know, they talk about, there's lots of people who've done research about the effects of social media on people and how like, you know, we always want to put forward our truest self yeah, or our, our, best self type of thing. And I think that being able to watch a group of people, say the church, and watch someone going through a really hard time, and yet seeing that they still have, maybe not happiness, but that they still have joy. There's still an underlying truth to that, and that the people around them will gather and walk with them as they go through this hard season, and, you know, have empathy and carry each other's burden. And I think that's something that is really attractive, especially if people are finding themselves in that situation or are finding themselves lonely, which is definitely mm-hmm. a big deal um, and was exa- exasperated, no, exaggerated by the pandemic. Yeah, exacerbated. Yes, that's, that's the word. The, that's the word you want. I'm an engineer, not, <laughs> not good, good but Me, good words, yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, so I think we hit, oh, okay. So the last one, which we've kind of been talking about the last strategy you talked about is it's all about relationship. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I have a quote from your sermon. Um, people might not be looking for Jesus, but they might be craving a friend. Mm. And I, I think that kind of hit for me, that was kind of the, like, you know, somebody who's willing to actually be a true friend and, and walk with them and know them intimately and not, you know, it's to be able to know somebody intimately and say, like, I disagree with you on this, but I'm still going to love you. Yeah. It speaks volumes. Um, People like to be invited in, to be welcomed to to things, to, to have things to do with other people. I mean, mm-hmm. y- you know, there, there's I think sometimes people want depth of relationships and that we can definitely have that in the church. I think sometimes people just need some more breadth. Yeah. And, and so in the church, it's, I, I mean, I, I'm interested to see how the Wednesday night dinners go, but that's, that's like getting to sit and have dinner with different people. Mm-hmm. I mean, isn't your greatest fear? I, I know I, my own kids struggle with it. Like you walking into the lunchroom, you desperately hope someone will invite you to sit at the table. Yeah. And yep. You know, to have that kind of welcomed in, there's a spot for you. And that's my hope is, as I think I said, it, I, we can't, I can't be a top down thing. That has to just happen The you know, East Glenville people got to say, we know we need to do this. So how do we invite people into this, this, mm-hmm. this kind of fellowship activities? And so some of the activities we might set up are meant to, to help with that. Yeah. But it really is reliant on all of us just see, you know, seeing it at the right time, seeing that person as they come in and say, hey, there's a spot for you over here. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think that's, like, one of the things we would always talk about in InterVarsity is just, like, invite people to what you're already doing. Yeah. And so, like, if I, if I'm thinking of going on a hike, I can invite both my Christian friends and my non-Christian friends. And just, you know, who's open for going on a hike type of thing. And seeing, you know, who shows up. And it's a natural, like, we're, we're there to do an activity. Yeah. And the conversations will just flow out of that and yeah. you know if if they if it, they go deep if the conversations go deep that's that's great if they don't then you at least have a new friendly face yeah. that's in the community around and you. they're not and it's better when it's not forced anyways yep yeah i mean hiking is actually one of the things i'd like to see us do again not like maybe have a hike where uh go climb one of the ones up near lake george mm-hmm. and we go and maybe invite others. And I think sometimes people need help yeah. setting up those kind of things. The other thing I think is valuable is when a non-believer is interacting with, you know, it's almost like when you get that one gray dot surrounded by red dots <laughs> is that like, it's, you know, they may not relate to mm-hmm. maybe their friend is a Christian and they're like, yeah, yeah, he's a Christian. But when you get to know that second person, the third person, that's when I think the, it starts to get them thinking in a different way. Yeah, yeah, I remember, um, I just love the story. So my friend Kim was involved in an university chapter at Boston University. Uh-huh. And there was one time where they had a testimony of one person, so one student came to faith because of, I think, 12 other students. Okay. And so, and they actually had all the students stand up and follow, like, okay, so person number one invited them to a group. Person number two had a similar interest and invited them there. Person number three, you know, yeah. answered this question. And you just saw the progression. Right. And then finally, like, and so it's one of those things where it's, we're not always supposed to bring someone from start to finish. It's the, yeah. and that's why inviting them into a community is a lot easier because then more people, as you said, we can surround them and let, you know, each person naturally do the gifts that God's given them that they do yeah. best. And they'll see someone in that group that, that they like, I can do that. Mm-hmm. I can, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so to the, you kind of finished off with application review, or yeah, and so you had three things. So sign on to the mission, support the ministry of East Glenville Community Church, and then just see. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to just go in order. So sign on to the mission. So we've, we've kind of been talking about some things, but like, what, what does that look like? Mm. Like, what do I do? Like, okay, I want to sign on. Um, Like how next steps, how do I get like, I'm not good at this. I'm new to this. What, what that, that, those are all, (laughs) yes. Um, (laughs) So to sign on means first of all, deciding in your heart, Mm -hmm. like, I want to be a part of the mission of Christ. I I remember the day that I did that. Um, It was, I went to Young Life Camp and met Christ one year. The next year I went back for a discipleship week and it was in the state of New York, by the way. And I remember sitting, and my leader um, did the parable of the talents, Mm. you know, and and the, the man who heard, well done, good and faithful servant. And I'm like, I heard that and said, yeah. I want my life to be that mm-hmm. and I want to, I want to do something and be a part of the mission. So I, that's in a sense, a 
one big step, then how to figure out how to do it. Um, one is it's going to be different for every person. Mm-hmm. I can't give that pat answer. You know, we talked a while ago about I have that illustration of the ship and how the different people fit on the ship. Yep. So we actually have a Sunday school class devoted to finding your space. So that would be one is you can go to the Will Gideon Sunday school class. Um, I also say is this coming Sunday, we have Greg Bandy, who's going to talk a little bit more about the specifics mm. of this. So, so I'm ahead um, of the game. There you go. You're ahead of the game. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So then, so one of the things for support the ministry of East Glenville Community Church. So you uh, talked about the biblical practice of tithing. And so... If you don't mind, I'd actually like to dive in a little bit more with Bring that. Bring it. <laughs> um, and I think, like, you know, what 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 was the purpose of tithing in the Old Testament? And then also, like, how do we see, like, Jesus interacting with this idea of tithing okay. in the New Testament? Um, the, the, the idea of tithing was learning to trust God with how he's blessed you. Mm. And God made it simple. You know, out of every ten things you get... Give one, mm-hmm. you know, um, if you get 10 bushels of thing of crops, give one. And it, it, it was meant to support the temple ministry and used for other things. But 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 really what God was at was after people's hearts, mm-hmm. you know, and this is, you know, he talks about test me on this. You know, if you you give what you're supposed to, I will bless you beyond what you could imagine. Because mm-hmm. God most of all wants us to to put Him first in our lives, so I think tithing is a spiritual discipline. Jesus did not talk in terms of tithing; He talked about who has our heart. Mm. And so, I still believe tithing is a good measure for um, what it means to trust God with our income, and you know. V- it's not that we're under law to tithe. It's not that, you know, not tithing is a sin per se, but it's a way to know I've given my heart to the Lord and it God loves people that don't do good at math. <laughs> so if you just take whatever your, uh, in you know, your paycheck, lop off the last digit and that's how much you should give away. Mm-hmm. And you should give it to the Lord and the work of the Lord and the bulk of it should go to the church that you're 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 a part of. Your primary part of your tithe should go to that church. So mm-hmm. that's why I want to invite people to to if they've never gotten started on doing that, to take that step. Is let me ask you that how have you heard tithing taught? Yeah. Is that different from what I just said, or is that a pretty standard answer? It's not different. I think I think most people start with the idea of tithing. Okay. Um, there is actually there's one. Uh, podcast or discussion or book it's called um, God and Money How We Discovered True Riches at Harvard Business School Okay. Um, and so it's by two men who pretty much just grappled with this idea of what what does the New Testament say mm. and I think one of the main takeaways I, I got from that conversation or from that book is that like it's as you said it's about the heart so there's nothing magical about the 10% and if you actually look at the New Testament, you'll see a lot of people giving more. Yes. They give out of their need. Or they give out of um, not even their abundance. They give out of like what they need to live by and trust God with the rest. Yeah. And so their main point was that like 
we should never necessarily stop at the 10%. Yeah. Um, and just give, uh, give generously. Yeah. Um, and so for me, that's, that's kind of what I was thinking of is the like, you know, 10% is a good place to start. And then like, you know, taking the time every couple, every year or something to reevaluate, like, Hey, like where, where am I at with this? Like, is there how, like, you know, do I really need X, Y, and Z or could I be giving that money somewhere else type of thing? Mm. I know for me, I know my own heart (laughs) and I, I almost need the, the hardness of the law in that, even though it's not a law, but it's like, I just got to set that. And you're right. I think giving above and beyond your tithe is, is also good. Give it's giving generously. Mm -hmm. And so I also need to remind myself that, you know, freely I've received freely give. Yeah. Um, but I use the tithe as almost the the starting point to make sure I don't cheat. Yep. Nope. That's, that's how I do it too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, and another thing I wanted to just, um, mention or bring up here. So you mentioned during the sermon that if somebody, so say if somebody takes the time now to reevaluate their, their giving or their tithing, Mm -hmm. um, just in general or to East Glenville, you mentioned letting you guys know how they're, how they're increasing. Right. And, and that could be as simple as putting in a note with your next gift. If you think, Hey, I could see myself giving this amount more next year. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, a note that said that would help us know that when we're doing our budget, we can count on more. Okay. Um, otherwise we'll, we'll just not know and we'll have to make our budget, you know, based on, yeah. So that's part of it. Okay. Yeah. And I also know, um, and I, I'm just going to plug it. So there is a way that you can give online too. Yes. Um, which I know for me is how I, you know, make sure that I do the minimum amount. Okay. Is that I just have the minimum auto draw. And then um, as there are requests or as other things pop up or as I, you know, get to sit and evaluate it, I give more. Um, okay. So. And that is awesome. Yeah. Because you're right. It does. It just becomes automatic. And you don't think about it. and the And we at the church in a sense appreciate that. Um, truthfully, I've struggled a little bit with the idea that we took out the offering time mm. from our service. Mm-hmm. And one is we did it originally because of COVID. Um, but now that it's done, it's our service is pretty full. And I don't want to necessarily right. take the time away from the other things we're doing to bring it back. Plus, a good number of our people are doing exactly as you're doing. Mm-hmm. So we don't really need to necessarily pass a plate. Um, so I... We, we definitely appreciate when people do that automatically. Right. Does it, is there anything, so, so I have a question as far as giving that way, is there any sense of helping to make that feel like since there's no offering or. Yeah. Yeah. I, cause I've definitely heard that when people, um, cause I, I remember the church I grew up in, there was people arguing over this cause we used to pass the plate too. And like, uh-huh. you know, how do you have the same joy of giving if you don't like get to put like if it's done automatically and you don't even think about it. Right. Um, for me, it's just the like, you know, I, I see it when it shows up on my credit card bill or when it's withdrawn from my bank. And it's one of those things that it's just a reminder for me that like nothing that I own is actually mine. Okay. Like all of it is God's. And so like when it goes out, I'm like, yep, you, all right. yeah, take it. That's it's yours anyway. So, so that's, you almost can make it your little offering prayer right then. Yeah. Lord, I give this to you. Yep. Yeah. That so. That's, that's probably the right way to think about it 
yeah so it's one way yeah it works for me cool okay um so the last one uh so the last application review uh you had was just c so you you kind of mentioned it have spiritual vision for what god is up to and what he's doing around you um and my question is really like how can we well my question is almost to start a conversation of how do we both individually and corporately kind of foster this mindset or this vision of like paying attention to what God is up and mm. up to around us? I, I think having room for stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I think having opportunities to share, maybe not necessarily on Sunday worship time, but maybe at those fellowship dinners or, um, you know, if we can share little opportunities that have come up or even when it's a failure, mm-hmm. I think those, those can be ways to um, just, yeah, just to, to start to, and then asking people. Um, I think when we corporately know the same person, like I said, how, you know, knowing two Christians, three Christians, four Christians, and you know, Hey, did you talk to so-and-so? How, how did that conversation go? Yeah. I think that can help foster that mindset that we're, we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. in the mission of Christ. Um, so I have a question for you. Yep. Have you ever played the board game Risk? I have. Okay. <laughs> and did you have a favorite strategy, like the go for Australia thing? or? Uh... I, I definitely never went for just Australia. <laughs> um, I, I'm trying to remember. All I know is that the first time I ever really played, it was like me and my dad and my sister, all of us playing for the first time, and my little sister creamed us. So okay. I, I don't remember what my strategy was. I just remember getting creamed. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I wondered if... if... There's so many good board games now. I wondered if college kids or whatever probably are not playing Risk like we, they used to. It it did show up at a board game at one of our board game. Okay. It did show up at one of our board game nights in college. So, I see. Um, the usually it's just the question of the do you have people who are dedicated to finishing? Do you have games? at least three hours of spare time? Right. Yeah, which is why we probably in my family we've done more Settlers of Catan, which mm-hmm. is an hour to an hour and a half. Yeah. Versus three hours. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. But, but speaking of risk, okay. Um, it and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw Jim Fisher under the bus. So he brought up to me this great i not this but this good point of like you started this whole conversation on with the parable in Luke 15 of the good shepherd and how the good shepherd leaves the 99 to go after the one. Mm. And uh, Jim noticed that like that's actually a really big risk. Because you're, you know, speaking, as you had said in your sermon, like, it's super easy to just write off that one sheep. Yeah. When you know that you don't have to worry about the other 99. Whereas if you go after that one, you're, you know, you're jeopardizing, in some ways, the 99 that you're leaving behind. Right. And so a lot of the things that we've been talking about, a lot of these strategies, um, I feel like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that a lot of them have to do with taking risks. I don't think there's any good outreach evangelism without some risk. Mm -hmm. Even if the risk is feeling foolish, um, even if the risk is trying to start a conversation and getting shut down, yeah, it does. And I I mean, it's, it's intimidating sometimes to, I mean, just to try to engage a new person. Mm-hmm. 
or to say, hey, I got a seat for you, and they, no, no thanks, or whatever. So, yeah, yeah I'm asking people to take a risk. I'm convinced churches that always play it safe and just take care of the 99 are not ultimately going to be the lampstands that, that grow, yeah. like that are blessed of God. And there's, I think there's no, no blessing without some risk involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think. But we, we know the one whom, whom we're putting our risk in. Right. And it's our trust in, in Jesus that says, you know what? Even if I get rejected, there's a, a verse from Psalm 27, I think. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Mm-hmm. You know, we're always afraid of rejection. I am. And yet it's like, even if the most important people in the world, you know, my world, my parents would reject me, I know the Lord to receive me. So I'm okay. I can trust in that. Yeah. And I think like having that in the back of my mind helps Mm. because like, you know, something like tithing is technically, you know, most of the rest of the world would say that it's risky. Yeah. Or foolish. Or foolish. Yeah. Yeah. That you're, you know, you're. You're putting your money into the church instead of, and giving, you know, the first fruits of it in a lot of sense, Mm. um, instead of putting into savings or instead of, you know, being able to go on a bigger vacation or things like that. Right. And, you know, just being able to say like, no, like, yeah, that is a risk and it's a risk I'm willing to take because I know that Jesus will take care of me yeah. or like saying hello to this person or like bringing up a spiritual topic in a conversation with a non-Christian where like, you know, am I going to strain the relationship by bringing this up? Right. All those things are risks. Yeah. And so we can, we can support each other in knowing that we're all taking those sorts of risks and, you know, sharing stories about it and having those sorts of conversations and knowing that mm. um, I used to, I, I liked a lot of times to take, um, use the term like, oh, I'm going to go on and I'm going to do an experiment with Jesus. Hmm. And like, you know, cause then if it fails, I did it with Jesus and that's all that matters. And if it works, then, Hey, maybe, maybe we tried, we tried something new and we saw what Jesus did with it and, uh, just go with it like that. So that sounds exactly right. <laughs> yeah. I, do you think we've covered the the plate? I don't know how how long our conversations go on. No but, uh, idea, but yes, yeah. I think I think that's all I had. <laughs> yeah. Well, excellent. Um, and this next Sunday, um, I'm looking forward to hearing what Greg Bandy has to say and add add to this conversation. Yeah, it'll be great. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Pastor Mitch, as always for uh, this time. Yeah. Thanks I'll... for taking the lead on this. Yeah, and we'll see everybody next week. All right. <laughs>